Tonight's reading is from Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good evening. My name is Jason. I am the pastor here at the downtown campus, and we're so glad that you are joining us this evening. Uh, On one hand, we are still in our uh, series that we're going through Hebrews. You just heard Olivia read from Hebrews chapter 10. And um, last week, we talked a lot about those passages that she just read, about what it looks like to be people of gospel truth and that good news that you heard about on the video, what that looks like as we live in community together. So um, we're still in Hebrews 10, but we're taking a couple of weeks to just really park on these verses and talk about what our vision is as a church, what we are to be about. And the reason that we're taking the time right now to do so is twofold. One, we're coming off of Easter, where we talked about uh, the new and living way that the resurrection of Jesus and his resurrection power and indwelling spirit, what that new and living way looks like. We want to take a couple of weeks to get very practical and talk about what it looks like. The other reason is over the last year, we have gone through Uh, a time not only of a pandemic in our world, but a reorganization on our church staff where we want to get more intentional about being and making disciples who make disciples to the glory of God. And and we want to talk about uh, some very concrete steps that we want to take as a church. Um, Really, I'm just going to talk about this year, what what God is looking for us to do for the rest of this year as we come back to to church and, and hopefully get back to some level of normalcy on one hand, but a greater intentionality. So last week we talked about truth and community and what it looks like to live in that new and living way. What it means to receive and believe that good news for ourselves, and then to live in community with one another. Those verses that Olivia just read talk about stirring one another up towards love and good deeds, considering how to stir one another up towards love and good deeds. We talked about last week how that's an intentional premeditated, provoking towards love and good deeds. So as we live in community with one another, as we share the good news, as we grow in the good news with one another, then we are called to do something. And tonight we're really going to answer the question, why? Why should we not give up meeting together? Why should we stir one another up towards love and good deeds? Uh, Why should we be about the Great Commission that Jesus has called us to. That's really what we're trying to answer here tonight. So if you would pray with me and we'll jump in. God, thank you for this opportunity to talk about you and what you are doing. God, we celebrate what you are already doing in our lives and in our world, but God, we want to see you do more. We want to see you do more in our lives and in our world. We want to see your kingdom come, your will be done. God, we want to be about your purposes. So show us very concretely what that looks like here tonight. 
God, I pray that we would be people that live out our faith, that live by this new and living way. God, we want to be people that think rightly, but also do rightly and obey you and be a part of the great commission that you have called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Hebrews 10, the author of Hebrews is reminding God's people who they are and what they are to be about. He also, as we transition to Hebrews 11 and 12, he wants them to think about how right thinking and right theology is the place to start, but it's not enough. It must turn to belief in our heart and obedience with our hands and our feet. In chapters 11 and 12 of Hebrews, we will look at what that life looks like that is thinking rightly, but is also believing rightly and obeying God. So we want to take some time to talk about what that looks like, what it should look like at Grace Community Church. So once again this week, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Scripture, but then we are going to be heavy on application, talking about concretely what does the rest of the year look like as we look to make disciples. A right theology will lead to an examination of our lives if we are really imitating what Christ did and his kingdom principles. We see that in the book of Hebrews. We also see it in another passage I'd like us to take a look at in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. If you would turn there with me. This lays it out a little bit more succinctly. I didn't think you wanted me to preach through all of Hebrews 11 and 12 tonight. So this uh, passage in 1 Peter 2 really uh, captures a lot of what Hebrews is doing in those chapters in just a few short verses. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. First Peter, uh, per Peter in this letter called First Peter, is telling God's people who they are. He says that they are chosen. He says that they are royal. He is saying that they are holy. This is part of the good news. The good news is that God takes us who are not in and of ourselves chosen, who are not in and of ourselves royal, who are not in and of ourselves holy, and he calls us those things. He does the saving work and calls us chosen, calls us royal, calls us holy. He gives us a new name, a new moniker, something that we are now known by. He changes our identity. He changes our circumstances. He changes our lives with his saving power. He takes out that heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh where we now respond to the things of God, where we now love God and love others. He does a radical changing of our lives. And the reason is found right here in verse 9. 
when it says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Jesus has called you chosen and called you royal and called you holy because he wants you to proclaim his excellencies. Because he is the one that is excellent. Because he is the one that is holy and good and sovereign and just. So now we are called these things so that we would be a proclaimer of who God is. And the good news that we have received. That's what First Peter 2, 9 through 12 is talking about. So the good news, the gospel truth is that God gives us a new name. He then, gospel community, gives us a new family, and then he gives us a new purpose. Our life is no longer about us. It's about God and others. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. There's this pattern in Hebrews 10, 11, and 12, and also this pattern in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12, where first we are given an identity. We're given that good news. That good news helps us persevere through anything, and then we proclaim what God has done. Look at the life of the disciples. They were a mess when Jesus met them, and they stayed a mess for quite some time, betraying him, not having faith, not understanding him. Then Jesus dies, rises again, ascends to be with the Father, sends his Holy Spirit, and then they live in a new and living way, And then they are boldly proclaiming the gospel. They are boldly making disciples. They are walking in the spirit and walking in power so much that when they pass by lame people, they're healed. They are given a new and living way. And this is what God has called us to as well. This is what Ephesians 3 is talking about, which we referred to a couple weeks ago, when it says that We are saved, we're called saints, we're given the unsearchable riches of Christ, Jew and Gentile alike, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. That word manifold, there's two connotations from it. It, It's the same word that's used for Joseph and his coat of many colors. It was manifold, it was constantly unfolding, meaning it was big, and it was multicolored. I think that Paul is selecting this word when he's writing to the Ephesians on purpose. He's saying that as God's church continues to grow and be on mission for him, it is constantly unfolding and it is multicolored. It's not just Jew. It's not just Gentile. It's everyone. It's everyone that is now called to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like when a gospel community obeys him together. That's really what a revival is. When a gospel community believes that the good news is good news, not just for them, but for the world. And they obey Jesus together. About 150 years ago, almost 200 years ago now, there were five college students in Massachusetts that decided that they were tired of the church debating about what missions should look like. So they said, we are going to settle this ourselves, and we are going to decide what missions look like, and we are going to live our lives on mission. So they went out in the fields. 
that were near their college and they started praying and asking God what he would have them do to be on mission. Settle what we need to settle, put behind what we need to put behind, repent of the sin we need to repent of. We want to be missionaries for Jesus. And while they were doing so, a huge storm came up and they found shelter near a haystack. And they prayed. And in that moment, God spoke to them two things. I sent this storm to show you my power. And the second thing he told them is, I want you to give others refuge in the same way that this haystack is giving you right now. Those five men at that moment dedicated themselves in their lives to the cause of Christ and the cause of missions. And from those five, a revival started in the northeast of America. And not only so, but two of the largest missions agencies that still exist to this day were started by those five men. When a group of people, no matter how big or educated they are, decide that they are going to repent of their sin, repent of their apathy, and believe the good news and share the good news with others— That's how revivals start. So what does it look like for us at Grace Community Church, at specifically Grace Downtown? What would it look like for us as a gospel community to obey Jesus, to live out the good news and start sharing the good news to others? What could that look like? See, gospel and biblical community is about what is provided for the needs of the believers. But tonight we're talking about gospel mission, which talks about how do we provide for the needs of others? How have we received good news? What have we believed about Jesus? And how can we now share that with others? We now desire to bring the same good news that we have believed to others. That's what gospel mission looks like. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus told his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Very briefly, a few observations from this commission that Jesus calls them and us to. He says that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so now he is telling his disciples to go. Because of his authority, because of who he is, because he holds the keys of life and death, because he is the resurrection and the life, they are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, not just Jews, not just the Roman Empire, but all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, the the wholeness of who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, participating in sharing the good news and saving people from all nations. And then as we see people baptized and come into the faith, we then continue to teach them what a good news life looks like. What it means to observe the laws of Jesus, which is to love God and to love others. And then he says, behold, I'm with you. I'm with you. I have the authority to send you, and then I am going to be with you. I'm going to send my spirit to be a part of your lives and to accomplish what I'm calling you to do. So, how are we going to do this at Grace Community Church? 
Often when we get to the application, we're at the end of the sermon. Not so tonight, my friends. <laughs> the next 20 minutes or so, we are just going to be talking about application. Hopefully you received an outline when you came in. All these steps are on there. They'll be on the screen. Um, we provided an outline because we want to continually go back to these ideas, go back to these practices that we're going to talk about here tonight. So how are we going to be about the Great Commission here at Grace Downtown? First, a personal discipleship that leads to a public demonstration and declaration of the gospel. First, we need to remember that it's good news. They're putting in a sonic in North Liberty, a sonic drive-in, and that is good news. I'm, I'm from Missouri. My wife and I have an inside joke that's part of our relationship, and the word sonic is in my ring engraved in here. Because of something that happened at a Sonic drive-thru while we were eating a corn dog. Sonic is amazing. And they left the corridor area and now they are coming back. And this is good news of great joy for all people. I plan on working it into every conversation this week that I have. Guys, there's a Sonic coming and they have banana shakes and they are glorious. Thank you. That's a restaurant. And I feel like it's good news and I want to share it with other people. But sometimes when I go outside, I hope my neighbor doesn't make eye contact because I don't have time. We have good news. And Jesus saves us. And he sends his indwelling spirit. And he commissions us because he wants us to make disciples and share the good news. And in fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that you can't really hide true light. If we believe that it's the light of the world, if we believe Jesus is the light of the world, if we believe that it's good news, we will share it. Before we get into anything else, friends, we need to remember that we've received good news. It doesn't always feel like good news. We don't always have the emotions that we think we should have. Our life does not always reflect that we know the good news, but we still have good news. And he has called us to share it. And if we forget that it's good news, we're not going to do everything else we're about to talk about tonight. We're just not. We're going to give our lives to lesser things. If we forget that it's good news. So let me pose this question to you. What do you need to do to remember that it's good news every day? What needs to change in your life? What needs to go? What needs to be added in to remember that you have received good news? Now we can talk about how we are going to share the good news. Next, we are going to share the good news in a simple organized and relational way. Just like we talked about doing gospel community in a simple, organized, and relational way, I want to talk about how to do evangelism, gospel mission, in a simple, organized, and relational way. This means first doing it simply. 
It means not just waiting for your church to tell you what to do. It doesn't mean filling out the survey that you saw in the video and then waiting to hear back from someone. It means going wherever you already are and sharing the good news with people you already know. You don't sit back and wait for your church to tell you what to do because you are the church. We end each service on our feet to remember that the church isn't a building. It's God's people. So go and make disciples. Go and share your faith. Go and bless our community. And many of you are already doing so. Often, being good news people is using the opportunities that God has already given you for the good news. Using whatever vocation God has put you in to embrace your calling to go and make disciples. The plan, the vocation can change, the education, the job, how you make money, if you work, if you don't work, that can change. But your calling, your commission is the same. You go and make disciples, whatever you are doing. So what does this look like? It looks like Josh Abdo saying, no, I am not going to go on staff full time. I am going to serve in the marketplace. This is James Ancrum using his gifting and his intellect in the colleges and in his lab at the University of Iowa. This is Marissa saying, I am going to go and leave and go to the Philippines. This is Victoria saying, no, I won't run the downtown church forever. I'm going to go into the marketplace. She could run this thing. You guys know that, right? She pretty much does already, but she could just keep doing more things but she's getting an education and staying in the marketplace to reach more people. It's Shabana, Nikki, my wife Dolly, and others fighting on the front lines of COVID and healing people. It's people studying at the College of Public Health to try to keep more people alive in the future so pandemics don't even happen. It's moms and dads caring for their children when they're exhausted. It's playing basketball with people in the community because you like playing basketball. It's inviting yourself over to a neighbor's house because they just got some new furniture and you want to see it. We're going to do gospel mission in a simple way. We're going to look at the opportunities and the relationships that God has already put us in and we're going to use them for good news and to carry out what God has called us to. So I want to ask you, where has God already put you? The relationships, the job, the opportunities, the skills that he has called you to, where has he already put you? Where he wants to make disciples and bless many people. Doing this simply looks like being faithful with what God has given us, because he who promised is faithful. So we're going to do it simply. We'll also try to do it organized, though. This means that we, as a church, make sure that you are equipped. Make sure that you are encouraged. Make sure that we are reminding you of the good news. Make sure that you are living in gospel community. This means sometimes filling out surveys and watching well-produced videos and sending people out onto the mission field. This does look like doing this together. I'm going to tell you some things that we're going to do as a church because we do want to encourage you to do this. We want to do it in an organized way sometimes as well. 
Doing it in an organized way looks like going, praying for, sending, and funding global missions as well. There are opportunities where we can reach people overseas that we couldn't if it was just one person, but as a church, we can send people. This looks like going across the street, uh, across cultures, or across the world and saying, God, where do you want me to go? And the church coming behind you and equipping you and supporting you as you do so. And then as we do things in a simple and organized way, that will free us up to do things relationally. We need to see gospel mission as building relationships with people. Far too often we think of it as an event or an invite when it's really best done in relationship. Events are fine. Inviting people to church is great. But it's really about relationships. Jesus set this up for us when he summed up the law and the prophets by saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We have a relational God who has invited us into relationship with him, and then he has told us to reach people through relationships. We want to do things in a simple, organized, and relational way so that we can reach more people for the sake of the gospel. There were six people here on Easter that had never been to a church on Easter. They were here not because they saw a billboard or a commercial on TV or something on our website, but because a friend invited them here. That's simple, organized, and relational working together. Next, we are going to do a realignment of our community groups. We started doing this two years ago. We skipped last year because of COVID, but at the end of July, beginning of August, you'll hear more about this, but we will have people re-sign up for community groups. Many of you will just stay in the group you're in. Some of you will change. Uh, Many of our leaders, I think, will be moving around. But we're going to realign ourselves to make sure that we are ready to receive more people. So why do we do this at the end of July and beginning of August? Because a whole bunch of people are moving to town right about that, that time. New students, international students, families are moving to town during that time. And we want to be ready to see people come to faith and need gospel community. So the timing in which we do our biblical community and we realign ourselves needs to be such that we can welcome more people. Next, we are going to look to bless people. It's a simple acronym. It comes from a book that the pastors and staff are reading at church and uh, for the church. And uh, it really just lays out what relational evangelism looks like. This is another thing that you're going to get tired of hearing about, the simple, organized, and relational, and the bless. We are going to be training our community group leaders on this in June, and then they will be training you over the summer to make sure that we are equipped with simple, organized, and relational steps to share our faith. Very quickly, the first thing that we do is we begin with prayer. Because we don't save people. Spirit draws people to Jesus. So we pray and we ask God to fill our simple steps of obedience and building relationships and use it for something great. We need to be reminded that it's good news, so we need to pray. We need wisdom to know how to go about loving our world. Then we listen. We listen to God and we listen to others. We listen because we don't know what's best for people, but God does. You start building relationships by listening. 
Far too often evangelism or missions has been about us saying something, but first we need to listen. We need to listen to God and we need to listen to others to see what part of the good news they need to hear. Next, eat. Back to Sonic. Eat. Eat with people. I'm reading a book called Jesus Creed this week, and the author said that societies are formed around tables. Reading another book about church history that said that the primary evangelism that happened in the Roman Empire in the first century was not in the marketplace, but it was in the homes. The people's lives were radically changed as they saw Jesus change people's home life. You eat 21 meals, or at least you should, in a week. 14 to 21, depending on if you're a breakfast person. Consider eating three of them with someone else. Invite someone over that needs good news. Invite a neighbor over. Invite someone in the biblical community over. Invite a coworker to eat with you. We're getting a bigger table at our house. First off, because my kids are getting big and they keep kicking me while I'm trying to eat. But the next reason is we want everyone to be at the same table when we invite our neighbors over. We're going to eat with people. Then we're going to serve. This is the demonstration of the good news. We want to serve people's tangible needs. We want to serve needs in our community. We want to support with tangible gifts. People like foster families, like you saw in the video. You're going to hear more about an organized effort this summer that we're going to use to serve people. And lastly, we share our story. This is the declaration of the good news. We declare the good news with our lips. But this is after a time of prayer. This is after a time of listening. This is after a time of building relationship and serving people. Then we open our lips and we share the good news. You're going to hear a lot more about that in the future. Next, we are going to have a week of blessing. June 28th through July 4th, our community groups will not be meeting. And instead, that week, we're going to encourage each member of the downtown church to do one of these things with someone that does not know Jesus. So does someone need to be served? Do you need to eat a meal with someone? Do you need to just spend time with someone that you've been meaning to? So begin praying now. Again, begin with prayer. Begin praying now for who you would spend time with that week of June 28th through July 4th. Next, on July 18th, we are not having services as usual at either our North Liberty congregation or our downtown congregation. And instead, we are going to be serving the city throughout the entire day. So you're going to hear more about this. Primarily, you'll serve with your community group. We'll also have opportunities for folks that are not in community groups. Uh, We will most likely meet here at our normal time and pray together, and then we will do some service projects here at this building, but also throughout the greater Iowa City area on that Sunday evening, July 18th. So that's an organized opportunity, opportunity for us to simply go and serve our community. Next, in June and July, we are going to preach through the book of Jonah. The reason that we are preaching through the book of Jonah is that sometimes what gets us in trouble, and what keeps us from sharing the good news is what's going on in our own hearts. So we want to address what's going on in our hearts that keeps us from sharing our faith. For Jonah, 
God showed him, you're going to go and you're going to share the good news with these people, the Ninevites. And he says, I know they're going to believe you because you're a merciful God and you're going to save many people, but I don't want to go because I don't like them. So he goes, sure enough, many believe, and he goes, and the story ends in Jonah with him lamenting and mourning because God saved people he didn't like. Sometimes there are things in our own hearts that keep us from sharing the good news. So we're going to address some of those things in that June and July series this summer. Then in the fall, starting in September, we are going to do a series called Encountering Jesus where for eight weeks we are going to look at the Gospels and we are going to take a look at different kinds of people as they encounter Jesus. We're going to look at skeptics. We're going to look at religious people. We're going to look at irreligious people. We're going to look at politicians. We're going to look at philosophers. We're going to take a look at different people as they encounter Jesus and talk about how did Jesus interact with them. This series is being put together specifically for you to invite your friends to come and have an encounter with Jesus. We are going to be asking some of you to volunteer during that time to lead discovery Bible studies for people that don't know Jesus but just want to read the Bible. We want people to have an encounter with Jesus. So we are going to study God's word. We're going to share God's word. We're going to invite people in. And we are going to go through that series called Encountering Jesus. The last kind of formal thing is that we are going to pursue justice. We're going to pursue justice. Justice is something that both in the church and in the world we've heard a lot about over the last year. And it can become something that's very confusing. And in many ways, we have made it out to be overly complex. But one thing I can say for sure is we are not going to let our world define what justice looks like for God's people. Because God's word talks a lot about justice. So if we are not about justice, then we are not about the things of God. That's the easy part. The hard part is defining exactly how to go about that or exactly what justice looks like. And things get very complex. But the call to do justice is clear. God says it over and over again and holds his people accountable in the Old Testament. And then Jesus, in the very first recorded reading that he has in the temple, he reads a passage from Isaiah about freeing those who are oppressed. In Micah 6, 8, we read that we are to act justly, to show mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Acting justly means not showing favoritism or partiality in our dealings with other people. Showing mercy means not, it means using any power, any position, or any privilege we have for the sake of others. And then we do all as we are walking humbly with our God. And that translation, humbly, is not actually the best translation. It means actually under restraint. This verse is recognizing that we act justly and we walk in mercy because God does, but then we do so with a great humility that we need his help. And that we don't have the corner of the market on understanding what justice is. As you read scripture, you come away with some conclusions. One, God cares about justice. Two, he wants his people to be about justice. Three, it's really complex. 
It's very complicated what societies and nations and governments should do about justice. But actually, for the believer as an individual, it's not that complicated. You help people that you have a chance to help. So if a grad student, an international grad student that you're working with is getting ripped off because of the color of their skin, you stand up to their landlord. True story. That's what acting justly looks like. If you think that our nation's policies around immigration are messed up on both sides, you do something about it. You say something about it. You partner with churches like Iowa City Church of the Nazarene who all their pastors on staff dropped out of seminary and became lawyers so they can study immigration law to help more refugees. We cannot wait for the Republicans, the Democrats, or anyone else of the world to go about justice. They talk about it, but they have very little interest in actually doing it. God's people have what we need to live lives of justice. And wherever God calls us to act justly and to love mercy, we do so as we walk humbly with our God. And so we're going to be about those things. Our goal in the next five years as two congregations, North Liberty and downtown Iowa City, is to reach a thousand people for Christ. A thousand people stepping into the kingdom. And you may be like me that you get real hesitant hesitant putting numbers on God. I get real hesitant when we start talking about specific numbers. But I want to talk about that in closing here. I want to talk about this number, where it came from, uh, why we picked a number to begin with. The first thing that I want to recognize is that if we get five years from now, and let's say 700, 800 people came into the kingdom, you know what we call that? Revival. Even if we don't hit a thousand, if we see that many people, if we see more people than we've ever seen in a five-year span come into the kingdom, it's called a revival. Secondly, you often get what you aim for. So if you say, I'm trying to eat healthy, but you don't have a plan, it's not going to work. If you say, I'm trying to lose weight, but you don't have a target, you're probably not going to lose weight. If you say, I'm trying to save money, but you don't have a target, you're probably not going to save money. We read in Hebrews 10, Olivia read it for us, that the day of the Lord is approaching and we don't have time to play church. We also picked this number very intentionally because pre-pandemic, 1,300 people called Grace Community Church home. That means each person can look to bless someone in their life and prayerfully pursue sharing the good news with them and hopefully see them enter the kingdom in the next five years. So instead of thinking about how are we going to reach a thousand people or should we be putting a number on it, I want to ask you a few simple questions. Do you believe that there are people in our community that are eating alone? Do you believe that there are people that are just waiting to hear the good news of the kingdom? Do you believe that there are people you know that have tangible needs and no one is there to serve? Do you believe Jesus when he says, the fields are white 
with harvest, and the only thing that's missing are the laborers to go and reap a harvest. Do you believe that out of the over 100,000 people that live in the Iowa City area, that as we go and bless our community, that some are ready to step into the kingdom? Because I believe that there are. And I believe that God is already at work among us. I think that there are people stepping into the kingdom and just on the doorstep of the kingdom because of what I see in your lives, in your community. I see the intentionality in which you want to live your life. And I want to just pray and equip and encourage you, all of us, to those ends. Let's pray and let's go and make disciples. And as we see people come to faith, we teach them to obey who Jesus is and make more disciples. Out of that thousand, we've kind of broken it down into some different areas where we see God at work. And we're asking that God would save 100 college students in the next five years. That's going to change your life. It's going to change my life. We're going to need a lot more community groups. In five years, I see pretty much all of you leading a community group. You might live somewhere else by then, but hey, that's okay. As we see more people come into the kingdom, it's going to radically change our lives and it's going to change theirs. Do we really believe that it's good news? Let's pray that we would share it, that we would show it, that we would demonstrate it, that we could, that we could declare it, and let's do it together. Would you spend a moment with me as we close here? Asking God where he would want you to start. And I want to ask you to consider asking the Lord to give you a name of who to start with and what to do next. Ask the Lord and then begin to pray for that person. Father, remind us of the good news that we have received. God, even if it doesn't feel like good news to us, even if we're struggling to believe that it's good news, God, I pray that you would remind us of the good news that we have because of what Christ has done for us. Father, would you show us who you want us to start with and where you want us to start? Maybe it's just simply eating a meal. Maybe it's serving, sharing, listening, telling God, we want to be obedient to you. Give us courage when we're apathetic or we're scared 
or we have our own issues that we're working through, God, I pray that we would be about your purposes. Jesus, you told your disciples, don't even take anything with you on the journey because I will provide for you. And then you even told them that you would provide enough that they could share with others. God, we believe that you will equip us with everything that we need. God, help us to trust you. Help us to live courageously. Help us to live obediently. God, I pray that for not one minute any of us would feel guilt and shame about the things we haven't done or should have said or should have done. God, I pray that you would just send us out, that we would be obedient to you and where you are calling us. God, help us to think simply about the people we already know, the relationships we already have, the things we're already doing, and help us to be obedient to you with those situations. God, we want to see more people enter the kingdom because we believe that you are excellent and we want to proclaim your excellencies. We want to see more people believe the good news. God, we pray that we would see people come and be your disciples and that they would go and make disciples and tell everybody the good news that they have received. Jesus, help us to be an obedient people. In Jesus' name, amen. As you can see, this is not the last you're going to hear about this. We have sermon series. We have equipping through community groups. We have simple things we want to do. We have organized things we want to do. So this is not the last time you're going to hear about this. This is going to become a regular part of what you are hearing as application from our sermons, as follow-up with what God is teaching you in community, what your community groups are doing. This is is not going to be just a one-hit wonder kind of deal. Um, So um, stay tuned for that and just go out and do simply what God is calling you to do. If you would fill out that survey, that will help us to do things in a more organized way and see what God is laying on your heart, especially the whole idea of growing, going across cultures or going across the world. Those are things that we can help you with, equip you to do if that seems like something you're being called to, but you're not sure where to start. So you can fill out that survey, graceb3.org backslash reach 21. It'll come in the weekly email this week that you get as well in the downtown email. So you can click on that survey, fill that out, and uh, we will get you the information that you're looking for there. Uh, Tonight, we want to continue to model gospel community, and God just keeps giving us beautiful Sundays. My goodness. So we're going to eat some ice cream. So uh, out on the front porch, there are some ice cream bars. I want to encourage you to stick around um, and just hang out, get to know someone. Um, pretty soon you'll hear from us about some more opportunities. We are going to slowly work our way back towards doing meals because it's a great opportunity to invite people in and also experience community together. So you will hear more about that soon. Would you stand with me? And I'll close in prayer. Father, we are you, your people, and we want to end tonight on our feet, remembering that you call us to believe with our minds to believe with our hearts, but then to believe you by obeying with our hands and feet as we obey you. God, we want to go where you send us. We want to obey you in all things. We want to walk in grace when we stumble and fall. God, we want to believe you that you provided everything that we need. God, equip each of my brothers and sisters here with exactly what they need. 
Maybe it's personal peace. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's opportunities. Maybe it's financial resources. God, whatever you need to provide so that we can be obedient to what you're calling us to do, we trust in you. We trust you to provide. Jesus, we pray that your spirit would fill us, that we could take steps of obedience this week to bless the world around us and proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into this marvelous light. From Revelation 22, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Amen.